Hello, my friends. I hope you're doing well, because today I am talking with Natanya Mandel, and we are talking about migraines and chronic headache pain and um, how a lot of people suffer from it and feel alone and isolated, and you don't need to be. And uh, she is a migraine coach, so things that you can do to really manage your pain so that you can do all the things you want to do with your life. Have a listen. Let me know what you think. Let me know your biggest, oh my gosh, moment and uh, share this with anyone that you know who might maybe benefit from a migraine coach and help them feel better and have their fabulous life. Take care, my friends. I will see you soon. Hi, my friends. Welcome. This is the Back to Me podcast, and this is Heather, and I am super excited that you're here. You are going to hear some tips and some tricks and some ideas to help you live your happiest and healthiest self. I call it Back to Me because when you are taking care of yourself, Back to Me, then you can take better care of others, and we can all make the world a better place. This is Wellness Your Way, and I am super happy that you're here. Hello, my friend. Welcome. I hope you're having an outstanding day. This is Heather. This is the Back to Me podcast. And today, wow, I didn't even have to go very far. I didn't even have to exit the postal code <laughs> to find an awesome human to talk to today. And today I am talking with another awesome human about things to help you have your most fabulous life. Really, that's our intention, right? So today I'm talking to Natanya Mandel, who is a migraine coach, which is nothing that I thought knew exists that I never would have thought of existed. But when I think about it, it makes sense. Natanya, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Yes. And um, we were very surprised the first time we had a conversation. We live very close to each other, <laughs> which I... Uh, <laughs> You know, it is, it's a small world, but holy cow, just around the corner. That's fabulous. <laughs> and um, even though nobody would guess it from your accent, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Toronto is a multiverse of peoples, right? Um, and you, so uh, migraine coach, like how mm. does someone become a migraine coach? What is, and what is that? <laughs> Oh, yeah. So I work with um, people who have headache and migraine disorders, um, whether they're diagnosed or not, I suppose. Um, and um, I basically meet people at where they're at with their uh, condition and uh, help help them to um, to really find ways to live their best life and um, and move into the life that they want more. So there's a lot of um, a lot of things that we feel we're missing out on when we have a condition like migraine or other headache disorders um, and uh, but there uh, and there's a lot of a lot of uh, lack of treatment, or a lot of a lot of we miss out on a lot of treatment options. And uh, and so I help people to um, to work with their treatment team 
learning and uh, improve their own processes in their own lives to to improve the quality of their day-to-day -day living. How did you get into, like, how did you, is there something you have to do to become a migraine coach? Like what would draw you into that kind of world? So for me, uh, I mean, I, I don't know that there's too many other people doing what I do specifically, um, but for me, my background's in the nonprofit sector. So my background is, uh, counselling, uh, as in crisis counselling and working with uh, various people from uh, lots of different backgrounds and uh, disadvantaged bits of the community, uh, mostly in Australia. And then when I moved to Canada, I retrained to be a coach and I did lots of different trainings and courses and became accredited as a coach. And while I was researching who I wanted to work with, it suddenly dawned on me that I'd given all of this, uh, you know, expertise to lots of different members of the community, but I'd never worked with um, members of my own community, and that is people who have this condition that I have. And it's a huge community. It's a, you know, headache disorders are very common. Everybody knows someone with migraine or headache or or whatever and so I um I thought oh wouldn't it be great to provide this to people to provide this service to people who have migraine and when I was you know a 24 year old um I would have loved to have a coach to help me navigate the healthcare system to get better healthcare, to manage my own life and how I was approaching things myself so that I could have a better quality of life and participate more fully in my life in a healthier way. So um, so that's what I decided to do. And that's that's kind of how I got to it. So it's from, for me, always having been in the helping professions, I suppose, and then just um, suddenly having this epiphany of, well, I would like to provide this for members of my own community. Right. That's awesome. Well, it's not yeah. awesome that you you suffer from migraines, <laughs> but awesome that you are offering help to that community. And because I don't think a lot of people know the difference of, from the, of the different kinds of headaches, because I will hear people say, oh, I've got a migraine. Um, mm. But migraine is a very specific kind of headache. And some people just think a bad headache is a migraine when it could just be a bad headache, right? So do you yeah. help people kind of navigate what the different kinds of headaches are? Um, well, to a degree. I mean, I'm not qualified. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a neurologist, so I no. can't diagnose. But there is um, uh, an international um, headache uh, classification uh, guideline that um, that doctors should be using and are supposed to be using. Um, and so, you know, I have, uh, we all have access to that. It's online. Um, and and the, oh, there are 300 different types of headache disorders. Migraine is one type of, uh, of headache disorder. And within migraine, there's quite a lot of different subtypes of of migraine so um so yeah so i might help someone by saying well it could be 
X or it could be Y, but there are a lot of types of headache disorders that I've never heard of. So, um, right. so I could be, uh, you know. Maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, because there are so many of them and, and I'm not a doctor. So, uh, you know, but if it is migraine or uh, if it's not necessarily one of the rare types or, or or if it's something more commonly heard of, then, you know, I might say, well, you might want to discuss discuss X, Y, and Z with your doctor and, and that might make them think, oh, is it that or is it actually something else? And, and, and um, uh, you know, that, or ask, you might want to ask your doctor for a referral to a headache specialist or, or whatever. And, um, and then, uh, you know, you can hopefully get some treatment options, some strategies um, that, you know, uh, more uh, spe specialised care for your condition. Because migraine, it's migraine specifically is, um, is a specific set of headache disorders. And it's not just a headache. Um, it's, it's a neurological disorder. And there are a whole lot of other symptoms that go with with this disorder that aren't actually to do with pain at all, but are neurological symptoms such as fatigue, changes to mood, um, dizziness, uh, GI tract changes, um, you know, ur urinating more frequently, um, confusion, brain fog, like a whole lot of other symptoms that, uh, that can, uh, affect you and um you know each person's experience some are quite rare some are quite common um so you know it's when when they're checking out do do you have migraine or do you have something else there will be things that they will be looking for to try and classify what it is that you are actually experiencing and then what type subtype you're experiencing and i guess i mean i had a from a pain management class when I was in massage therapy school, mm. my knowledge of migraines was, you know, it had vascular involvement, which mm. is just, you know, one of the, one of the things that there's, there's so many things, but it's interesting yeah. that do you, I mean, sometimes we just as humans like to label things, but do you think that finding out exactly the right type or kind changes how you approach it or maybe you know like if, if you know one thing then this is what we do if it's something else we do something else or how does it change if as they find out more about what's going on with them yeah I think it can really help like with any condition that we have it really uh, can be validating to have to know what's going on with yourself with you um, and to know it, it's not all in my head in quotation marks uh, you know it's a real thing it is you know I'm not making it up your family then knows you're not making it up you're, if you're cancelling quite frequently you're not you know it's not for no reason you're not right. overstepping things um, and it's nice to know that you know um, there's a condition and uh, it's being researched and they're looking for treatments, they're looking for cures. There is no cure at the moment, but there's more and more treatments becoming available all the time. We don't necessarily have access to them all yet, but in Canada, but, um, you know, there's more and more coming through. And, uh, and so there's lots of hope out there. And so I think uh, 
certainly having a diagnosis, uh, you know, in some ways, you know, it, it's like, oh, oh no, that's a horrible thing to be diagnosed with. But in other ways, it's like there's a lot of hope because there's a lot of new research, that's a, there's a lot of new knowledge, um, uh, you know, that's that's being put into all of this. And so, um, that you know, there's going to be more and more that we can do for ourselves to improve where we're at with it. Whereas if we're in the dark, it's much harder to treat what's right. going on with ourselves. I did, I did find it frustrating probably 20 years ago. I don't think I was having migraines, but I didn't actually ever get it diagnosed because when I asked my doctor, they said, well, come in the next time you have a headache because they wanted me to be in my headache when I went in. I was like, I can't yeah. really plan ahead for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like somehow I don't think that's going to work out for me. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, not helpful. <laughs> yeah. like, I've got a headache. Drop everything. It's like people are using the rhythm method. Drop everything. We're going to have a baby right, right now. <laughs> it's like, oh, my goodness. I know that's a weird comparison, but that's how my brain works. Um, <laughs> that's a pretty good comparison, I think. <laughs> Just as unrealistic as <laughs> So when you're working with people, like um, how, what kinds of things do you, do you use? What kind of tools do they have? What helps? How do you help people? Yeah. Other than, you know, take to aspirin and call me in the morning, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's the everlasting cure, isn't it? No, I'm kidding. So I think it's, um, it's about, I, I mean, sometimes Certainly at the beginning of a call for a lot of people with migraine, whether they're women or men, it's a very um, uh, gendered disorder. Um, and that doesn't mean one what, you know, one person ha has a worse experience than the other. It's just different the way it's addressed, um, uh, you know, for some of us than others. Um, but I think one of the reasons that there's been so little research is because it's considered a women's disease. But m when men have it, um, and I know that uh, the LGBTQI plus community has an even worse time, uh, but when men have it, um, they have a terrible time because it's considered a women's disease. And so there, but either way, there's a lot of validation that needs to happen. So in, the first step is really just validating someone's experience and uh, and empathising and listening to where they're at, um, sometimes undoing the medical gaslighting that's occurred because there has been a lot, particularly um, in areas where there's uh, less headache specialists rather than more or less doctors available rather than more. Um, so perhaps more in rural kind of areas. Um, and uh, and so, but, you know, so sometimes there's unpacking of all of that. Um, I do help people with learning to self-advocate for themselves and, um, and uh, also to learn about their condition and what it is. So learning about some of um, some of the symptoms, 
you know, I experience X, Y, and Z. Oh, well, these are symptoms. Oh, well, they might not be symptoms. They might be, but they may not be. Um, yeah, yeah, that might be something else. Right. Uh, and uh, and and then, uh, you know, the lifestyle. I don't like using this term, but I haven't yet to come up with another term. But lifestyle changes that we can make. So whatever health condition we have, whether it's heart disease or or whatever it is, there's things we do ourselves to manage that our health you know um and it's the same with with migraine and so um you know some of the things that we really need to do is around how much movement we get in a day um if any and that's really different from person to person it's about stress management and by stress management i don't just mean bad stress I also mean good stress because either way it's a universal trigger it's now known to be a universal trigger um, managing your sleep because sleep disruption whether it's too much sleep or not enough sleep is also known to be a universal trigger um, you know uh, I didn't think you could get too much sleep <laughs> right <laughs> I know it's unfair isn't it <laughs> <laughs> so things like, uh, you know, to help people who are listening today, like things like going to bed at the same time every night, having a good sleep schedule. So reading a book for half an hour, a paper book, preferably not on your iPad, but a paper or Kindle or, or something like that. Um, not watching TV to the minute you go to bed, uh, not scrolling the internet, um, you know, those types of things, which I think a lot of us are guilty of, um, myself included. Um, but reading, you know, reading a book, you know, really having a good bedtime routine, going to bed at the same time every night, having good wind down routine, and then getting up at the same time every morning, um, even on weekends, uh, you know, keeping that same routine a, a, a migraine brain really likes routine. It doesn't oh. like disruption to your routine. Uh, it really finds that hard to manage. So um, it's about um, managing uh, managing your sleep schedule. Now that's not always possible um, when you have migraine during the night. Uh, studies show that um, your sleep is disrupted even if you don't know that it's disrupted. So sometimes if you wake up with a an attack that might be why but right. um but um you know getting that regular sleep over a period of time hopefully will help reduce that hopefully I mean, it must be hard to go on a vacation where you change time zones it yes <laughs> yes a lot of people find it really hard or alternatively while they're away things are great and then when they get back home again it all goes to the dogs. Right. So, right, like... Because um, you, know, you so weren't stressed when you were on vacation, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. And it's interesting. It's like too much sleep, too little sleep, too much stress, too little stress, too much moving, too little moving. It's like you're yeah. playing Goldilocks and the Three Bears with, with your whole right. life. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's, yeah, and it's really different from person to person. It's a very individual thing because all our brains are very individual, um, annoyingly. So I think um, <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons it really helps to have somebody to talk to about it and to work through 
these things with and go, oh, this didn't work or whatever. And it's like, well, also, did you try it for long enough? Because if you just do it for one week. I was going to say, how long does it take for you to get your feedback? Like how long do you have to, uh, it's almost like, well, this is causing me, you know, you're having headaches. You're like, is this going to work? Is this going to work? How long do I hold out? Yeah. And so, I mean, for things like, so the other, some of the other things I, I recommend are things like um, mindfulness and um, uh, CBT, which I don't do because I don't work as a therapist here at all. Um, but, uh, you know, I do think CBT has, uh, for, for pain management, has really good results as well as so does mindfulness. Um, so these things um, I really recommend. And um, and these things, they don't happen overnight. You need to stick with them and you need to stick with them for several months to know. And the same with movement. And I'm not using the word exercise on purpose because that's also a very individual thing for someone with a health condition like migraine. So, you know, it's about how much can you do and how do you lift that threshold? So it might be that you do one minute a day of movement of something really low impact. And then you just do that for a short period of time. And then you build up really, really slowly to get more and more because the more that you do, the um, the better off you're going to be on so many levels, you know, as we know, uh, right? Movement and 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 uh, exercise generally is so good for us, for our mood, for our health, heart health, but also for migraine. But you you need to move into that in a way that uh, that you're. Um, body can accept so sudden exercise um, for a lot of people with uh, headache disorder is uh, not your friend so um, it's about doing it in a way that your body will accept and that you will be able to maintain um, that's super interesting because last week I was talking to an exercise physiologist and we weren't talking about headaches but we were talking about you know if you suddenly decided to go out and you thought you needed to do an hour of cardio, you know, regularly to, to be lose weight and be healthy. And you hadn't done that. It actually affects your metabolism because she said that when you decide to run out and do this big exercise and you haven't got a baseline and you haven't built up to it, your body suddenly burns a huge number of calories. So it changes everything around and makes you hungrier and slows down your metabolism because it thinks suddenly that you're basically this like, oh my God, I that's too many at once. You know, it's, it tries to slow it, slow down those metabolic changes. So it's interesting that that same thing happens with migraines and with headache disorders. It's like those big sudden changes I guess it makes sense in some ways. Your body's reacting to like, stop doing that. That's too much all at one time. And right. if you're on the edge of, if you're on the edge of something, you know, that extra stress, that extra chronic, um, that extra attack of stress, good or bad, is too much for your body to manage. And then the weak link for migraine sufferers, I guess, is a migraine. And the length of time is interesting as well. Also, I was just having this conversation because a lot of people will think, you know, 21 days to change a habit or make a habit. But she was saying it takes two to three months to have an actual effective habit change. So 
it's interesting that it correlates with how long it takes for that change to really show itself for people trying to figure out their migraine routines as well. Right. That's exactly, yeah, it is very interesting, isn't it? And I think yeah. it's fair enough because we we want it to be instant, but it's just not how our bodies work. You know, these things take time. It, it has to work its way through. Um, a whole lot of, uh, you know, neuroplasticity stuff, which I don't fully understand, um, has to do its thing, you know, it's special you know neuroscience thing and so that's my technical term so i think um <laughs> the brain is doing know, something and it needs time to do it <laughs> it needs time to relearn and those neuropathways those pain neuropathways need to be reset and it takes time um you know your brain your body learns how to receive pain and how to process that pain and it 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 changes when you're in pain a lot it changes the neuropathways. Hmm. And so um, you need to change those. And it's not going to happen in five minutes. It's going to take, it's going to take some time. So, um, and you need to be kind to yourself. And, uh, you know, would, uh, I often like to say to myself and to my um, friends, you know, would you tell your best friend X, Y, and Z? And, it, you know, like, so don't tell yourself it's, you know, it's going to happen tomorrow because it's just not realistic that, you know, this expectation of yourself, would you have that expectation of your friends? You wouldn't. It's just unrealistic and it's unfair, that kind of pressure. You know, you've been in pain or you've had this, this health condition for however long, however many years. Why would you suddenly expect it to change in, you know, a couple of weeks it right. just doesn't make any sense to me and we are we are in the land of instant gratification i mean i can remember treating a lady one day who had a headache hers was a tension headache i think mm -hmm. i'm not allowed i wasn't allowed to diagnose either and she just turned to me and said well isn't there a pill for it and i just <laughs> thought oh my gosh <laughs> well yeah. you could just change your job and turn down the stress levels and do all of that but we do want that instant but it's interesting i think sometimes it depends on what the issue is like if you cut yourself and you had a stitches you wouldn't say why isn't it healed right now like you would right. give it you would give it time to heal because you could see it you could see the progress that what it was making you would know that it had to go through its various stages of healing and change but because we can't see things like our brains and what they're mm -hmm. doing, we think, well, what's taking so long? I should yeah. be, I should be better now. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> do you find that um, this just popped into my head? Do you find that foods uh, impact headaches and migraines? Different foods? Um, oh, well, not for me. No. Uh, I personally, uh, some people really do have a correlate, have found correlation between some foods um, and their headache or migraine uh, attacks. Um, the evidence behind food triggers isn't great. I have to say, 
discussions around food triggers for me is actually a trigger um, because we put, and I, it's a great question, I'm really happy that you asked actually, we put so much emphasis on food triggers and there is not the greatest uh, scientific evidence behind it. And it's often used as a, uh, a bit of a blame thing or it feels like a blame thing. And right. people will go searching, what's, what's my triggers? What's my cause? Not knowing the difference between a cause and a trigger. And, um, uh, and sometimes you'll find something. You will, absolutely. And sometimes that thing will change. And sometimes you'll cut stuff out of your diet and that wasn't a trigger at all. And I've I've got friends, actually, I, I volunteer for the Migraine World Summit and I've got friends who volunteer there. We, we're all very friendly. And, um, and uh, one of them said to me, one of the leaders actually of the summit said they cut um, something out. I can't remember what it was, if it was chocolate or coffee. I don't know. I can't remember what it was. Um, they cut something out. Uh, for years, years and years and years, and then um, discovered that that wasn't a trigger for them at oh all. Oh, my gosh. So it's a really, in, and so that's part of it too. It's a really individual thing. But then there's other people um, who uh, who really um, absolutely, like my mother-in-law, absolutely she has red wine, migraine attack, instant, like it's within a very short time. Wow. Uh, Absolutely, that's a trigger for her. So, and so I think when you know, you know, and it's really obvious. Um, but I think uh, it's it. There isn't. I think there are other triggers which they've found to be universal triggers. And the research community and the and the top doctors are actually moving away from that food trigger theory more towards a migraine threshold theory. Um, so uh, where you don't necessarily, because if you think about it, are there other health conditions where they're saying to you, what are your triggers? You have asthma, what's your trigger? You have, uh, I don't know, epilepsy, what's your trigger? You know, like whatever, like they're not, they're not asking that question. And it is good to, to look at what's, what's, um, what might be a trigger, but it's more about what, what uh, number of things are creating those triggers? So they're looking at the, the uh, a threshold theory. So it's a number of things that create a trigger, that create an attack. So it might be like, um, why is it yesterday I did the same things as today and today I have an attack but yesterday I didn't? Like what's the difference? So right. it could be that, I don't know, last night I didn't get the best sleep and, and uh and there's a storm coming and, um, uh, you know, there's the weather suddenly changed and um, I don't know, maybe my, I've got a hormonal change that's happened um, and I, I didn't eat on time so my blood sugar levels were all over the stop place, which is the, in terms of food that's actually your blood sugar levels is going up and down so spikes and lows that's more of a trigger a common trigger oh. for a bigger number of people than specific food items there are some things obviously with food items uh, just to go back to your question like chocolate coffee for some for a, for some people that can be uh, you know or for a lot of people that can be triggers but not for everybody right um, so, uh, like, not for me. I can eat. Thank goodness. 
<laughs> I can drink as much wine. I mean, I might get a hangover, but I can drink as much wine. I can have, uh, you know, like I can do all of that stuff. So it's really individual, um, but other people absolutely know. So I think it's really about that threshold theory about um, the things you can control and the things you can't control. Right. So um, you can't control the weather. You can't control when your menstrual cycle is coming. You can't control... Um, I don't know, perhaps if your sleep was interrupted, if you've got a baby or if you had an attack, woke up with an attack in the middle of the night or, or whatever it is. But there are other things you can control like, um, uh, you know, meditating every day or your mindfulness routine or eating on time and eating healthy foods or doing your gentle movement or whatever it is. So it's about how you manage the things you do you do have control over to reduce those attacks. Right. Um, and then if you do know that you have a food trigger, like, for example, chocolate, which is, or sugar, or, you know, which can be a huge um, trigger for a lot of people, then um, then avoiding that or eating it and knowing, okay, well, it's a conscious choice. I'm an adult. Right. I can make a conscious choice. Um so, and, you know, we also do know that inflammatory, it's obviously vascular, you know, as well as neurological. And so, you know, inflammatory foods can also be triggers for quite a lot of people. Right. Yeah. I guess it's, um, I want, because as a personal trainer, I've always told people, you know, you're an experiment of one. <laughs> so it's, this is a, it's like the extreme case of, all of these, this is your menu of things that we're, you're going to start working on. And I guess if you start on one at a time, then you can start to figure out where where your mm, just right Goldilocks bed is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And there are some really good books. Um, if, you, if your listeners do want to try uh, to see if they have food, in you know intolerances or triggers um there are some good elimination diets that are specific for migraine that okay. are really a lot of people find really effective and they love um and uh i can send you those resources and you can um you know that you can link them uh, yeah. later yeah and because um like you know a lot of people do swear by those i've done eliminations that haven't you know, I, as I say, it didn't work for me, but they do work for a lot of people. But it's good and that it showed you what you, that you don't have to worry about those things, right? That takes something off of your list to manage. Well, exactly for me personally, but not because yeah. we're, it, as you said, we're an experiment of one. So I'm only one person and, and, you know, my client or, you know, whatever, they may have really, you know a number of food triggers and you wouldn't want to be eating them right <laughs> <All> the <time. laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah and so i know that it's not it may not be ready yet but you do have a mindfulness based chronic pain management course coming around right Yes, I do. So um, I'm uh, a trained facilitator of that course, and um, I'm hoping to run that at some point during the year. And um, and so 
that's uh, specifically for um, for chronic pain management and um, and it's a mindfulness based. It's um, been adapted so the mindfulness um, the the mindfulness um, courses have been adapted by Dr. Jackie Gardner Nix um, specifically um, for the chronic pain community and um, and to help help people manage their chronic pain conditions. Um, so it's a it's a slightly uh, different approach or quite different approach and um, it's um, it's over a longer period of time but much shorter sessions and um, and it's trauma informed and trauma sensitive because a lot of people with chronic pain have uh, trauma backgrounds and so uh, a lot of research has gone into uh, trauma and um, and uh, ensuring that people are safe in this environment and um, an awareness of chronic pain and pain conditions generally so um, and making sure that people are as safe and welcome as possible so when you're you know some of the differences are about how you you know there's obviously meditation in it or mindfulness in it and it's about how you uh, approach those practices those formal and informal practices and being kind to yourself um you know it might be that you need to move it might it might be that you uh, need to stand and not sit it might be that you don't want to shut your eyes you know that you know so it's really it might be that focusing on your breath is totally inappropriate for you <clears throat> excuse me um so um, yeah, so it's really um, a, a very specific approach, um, which is uh, yeah, it's quite lovely, very wow. different. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. And I mean, I'm a meditation teacher, so I'm always a big fan of anything that helps you really tune in and get that sense of what what would be helpful for me right now and what do I need and what's going on. So I can see how that would be amazing and doing it in a supportive environment is, is so much more valuable when the, you're trying to deal with that kind of thing as well. I can see. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. It's um, yeah. I think it's so important that it's a supported environment that it recognizes where people are coming from and um, and validates their experience right whatever it is not just their past experience but their experience in the moment yeah yeah that's amazing and we are going to make sure that the, the, all the information is in the show notes for everyone to grab onto and make sure that uh, if you suffer from migraines or headaches and you want some help you get in contact with Natanya or you might know someone who just needs that help and that extra support and that's a good way to help them is to put them in contact with someone instead of letting them suffer, suffer, suffer. You don't need to suffer needlessly, my friends. Um, thank you so much, Natanya. But before we wish everyone a lovely day, I'm always interested in some final words of wisdom from my super amazing celebrities. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, okay. So I... I would just like to say that um, whatever your journey is 
uh, with headache disorders, whatever your experience is, you're not alone. Um, there's a really big, beautiful, supportive community um, that's making amazing strides and you're part of that community and um, we would love to welcome you and if you haven't been if you haven't reached out please do and um, you know there's the knowledge amongst the you know the people involved is amazing and so you know don't don't need to feel isolated and alone um, you know, there's always someone who will be there and will listen. That's awesome. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Natanya. Thank you. Thank you. My friends yeah. in podcast land, share this out with the world. We need to turn down the dials on the pain. And um, yes, um, I hope that you are having a fabulous day. And stay well, my friends. I will see you soon. Thank you. Hi, my friend. Thanks so much for listening to this entire podcast. If you found it useful and you're like me and you like, like helping others, please feel free to share this. Just give it a like. Give it a comment. If you found something useful in it, there's a chance that someone else will find something useful as well. Also, if you have any questions at all, I can absolutely help and I would love to help you can email me at heather at prosperityflowcoaching.com if you want more of this awesome content you can follow me on instagram heather stewart coaching you can follow me on facebook prosperity flow coaching and I have a personal request I want to help as many people as I can with these podcasts and if you could give me a review hopefully a good one <laughs> if you could share if you could send this out into the world I would truly appreciate it. I hope you have an amazing day and I hope that you find your way to wellness by getting back to me. Take care, my friend.